See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Welcome to the Human Derek Podcast, connecting you with the seven fundamentals of life that will take you to the next level. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. <laughs> it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. Because it sounds so nice. Hello. <laughs> I'm recording you singing, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I totally pressed record. As soon as I say that, I'm like, all right, oh. we're going live. She's going to sing us a sweet no. song. This is how we got. Tell me when we're really going. We're really we're going. cut it like right now. I'm just, it already started. <laughs> no. This is, this is the beginning. This is the, uh, the most raw. And by the way, I'm using this stand because I have sort of broken this one, so... You're going to see me. All right, here, I'll go. <laughs> it's so soothing. Hello. Hello, everyone. So what, uh, so what is that again? That is a Koshi chime. Koshi chime. Okay. You can hear me okay? You can yes. hear yourself? I can hear myself. I can hear you. Excellent. Are you going to sing for us? <laughs> no, not today. I'm practicing. Maybe episode two. I'll be ready to <laughs> sing for everyone. Sign me up. I'm in. So uh, tell me a little more about this thing you brought. I mean, you brought a lot of toys and cool things. And yeah. I now have a magic wand. So I'm going to use that to cast spells, which is really nice. Uh, what else do you have? There's a whole table full of things there. I thought I would make it interesting for us. I like to um, teach using all kinds of interesting tools. It makes learning fun. But we can get into that in a moment. Probably should introduce myself first to everyone. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> Go for it. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I am Jenny Dawson, and I live in La Jolla, San Diego. Beautiful, sunny San Diego. At least it's sunny today, anyway. And my business is Zen Soul Balance. I specialize in yin yoga, sound healing, meditation. So I, I teach the theory of yoga and the science of yin. And I'm super excited to talk all about that. The theory of yoga. Yes. That's good. And the science of yin. I like anything that's science-based because I find most things I used to enjoy can be deemed kind of mystical. This is very distracting though because now I just want to play <laughs> with the toys that you brought. No this toys one, right now. No toys. All right, I'm going to put it in the... Oh, it doesn't go in there. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. Uh, Good okay. thing everyone didn't see that. Nothing's yeah. going on over here. For those that... Uh, since we're not doing video on this one, we have a, a table full of... There's this beautiful chime that she brought that was... Uh, ringing there a moment ago. It looks like it's made of. Is it made of bamboo? I believe so. Okay, so now is that like one of your your tools, one of your instruments? This is one of my instruments. Yes. So I use a variety of instruments in a sound bath session, so known as a sound meditation. Some people like to call it sound therapy, sound healing. Call it what you would like. This is one of the instruments. Mm. Would you like to hear about all the other ones? <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm actually glad that we moved this a little bit. So thanks for being flexible because, uh, and flexible, haha, <laughs> unintended. <laughs> um, because it just went to. <laughs> <laughs> 
just went to one of your sound baths on uh, on Friday. Yes, you did. And I would describe it. For, it is. I mean, it wasn't my first one. It was my second one that I've done with you. And uh, first time was amazing. Second time, super amazing. I was telling some about it, and I described it as an intergalactic experience. <laughs> I mean, there's one point where I was sitting there, and I was just it was a pretty joy-filled, you know, for the most part. Anyways, having a lot of fun in life, especially lately, just really making that like a primary purpose. But there was, you know, laying there with my eyes closed, I realized at one point, like, my eyes were watering. And it, like, unlocked something inside of me while I was laying there that was just super cool. I was like, man, this is... This is fantastic. This is such a neat experience. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I feel like I um, received some really good feedback from that experience. It was actually a little bit different than the way that I usually lead these sound baths because I wanted to start this time with a guided meditation. Occasionally I do that. I've done chakra meditation sound baths before, but this one was in the spirit of gratitude since it was around Thanksgiving. And so I felt really good about that. How did that feel for you? The the difference between the first time that you experienced a sound bath where, I mean, I talk a little bit about what you can expect and then guide you into a comfortable resting position. And then you go on your sound journey from there. But this one started off a little bit differently. It was, you know, about a, I would say a 10 minute guided meditation in the introduction and then allowed you to go on your own little sound journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm- Glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you weren't paying attention to me, class, which is really good because I am one of the worst students when it comes to the guided meditations. Mm, okay. I I was thinking a lot about that because I at one point I before we transitioned into laying down, I went, oh yeah, I was just sort of on my own little planet there, and uh, I like have a I damage my jaw in jujitsu the same day. And so I was just kind of on my own little, hmm, this is what feels good right now. And I did a terrible job of paint. I'm so, I feel like once upon a time, when I first started doing meditation, doing a lot of like guided meditations and everything, I was really good at listening. And and I, I was thinking about this a lot actually since then, is that uh, I, I do a really poor job of following instructions and classes like that now. <laughs> there was no instructions but to listen and relax. Yeah, I, the so are you telling me you part, didn't hear anything? You were just off on your I heard part I definitely heard part of it. I well because okay. I kinda went in with my own intention, I think, okay. from Fair doing enough. Yeah, and I think that's the I know from taking friends to yoga classes or things like that, uh that uh, it just kind of, that kind of happens for me. Like they'll go in and they'll be like, man, I love the beginning part where the instructor or teacher was doing this. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I just have my own personal, I think, goal to go in a lot of those. So it was, I, I like that you, I know you started the class where we all went around and introduced ourselves and everything. And that was uh, pretty neat. And I think after that, I just kind of like went into my world. That's <laughs> well, perfectly fine. It's beautiful. It's, it's you know, I create the space for you to make it what you would like. That's yeah. you know, the whole goal of the the sound bath experience. So. Well, I felt bad because I realized I, I at one point I opened my eyes and I'm like, oh yeah, what's going on here? Because I, I I started to pick up on what you were saying and I look around and everybody's like doing this one particular thing and I was like rolling my shoulder, laying down sideways and I'm like just totally not even, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm the worst student right now. 
<laughs> Everyone was just relaxing, I believe. I didn't have anyone doing anything. Oh, and towards the end of the meditation, I, I asked everyone to draw their hands to their heart. That was what it was. Definitely picked up on that. And yeah. Yes, a moment of gratitude, dedication, and devotion to the meditation. <laughs> it was, uh, and I know my friend that went, she loved uh, every minute of it too. She was a much better student in terms of like following the directions and the guidance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people were like literally is. You were a bad meditator. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, it's it's definitely a practice. It's not always. Hey, maybe you weren't bad. Maybe it was perfect for you. It, it really. I think it was, and okay. that's. I think that's part of it. You know, I was thinking a lot about that too in terms of meditation. Like Alan Watts keeps popping up into a lot of music lately. Um, you know, Alan Watts is. Why does that name sound so familiar? She's a fairly like modern philosopher. He passed away, I think, in the early two thousands. He's got. Um, some really incredible, like his son went and built an audio library around him and he just has incredible teachings. Uh, they're very simple, you know, a lot of wisdom tied into him and his voice is interesting. So, uh, music producers have been using him. In fact, he's on the intro to the podcast. Now that I think about it, I have a sound clip from him. Um, but he talks about Meditation. I, this is where I think the evolution for me in terms of like guided meditations has happened because I've been practicing meditation for a, a decade and it's definitely evolved and changed. Mm-hmm. And he, one of the songs I've been listening to lately is an audio clip of him and it talking about not having an intention with meditating, how it actually takes away from meditating. And I think that's just kind of sunk in with me. So I've had, I really have been on my own little planet in certain ways. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll blame that on that. Meditation means something different for everyone, and everyone has their own experience as well. So it doesn't have to be one way, look one way, right? I mean, it's it's the beauty of it. Well, it's even, I mean, it's been, the word has been used for a long time. If you think back to like Roman empires and things like that, like Marcus Aurelius has this book called Meditations, and it's actually just him working through his thoughts, you know, writing them out or planning ahead and things like that. So, that's the other thing that's really interesting about language is how we decide to use something has different meaning or impact on our lives too. Yeah. So how, <laughs> actually, actually, I was going to ask you a question, but I think I want to actually talk about a sound bath first, because I know we're talking about yeah. sound healing and meditation. And I, I realize that there are so many people out there that have probably no clue what a sound bath is. Maybe they've heard about it some, mm-hmm. um, but just to kind of, Bring some light onto this experience for those who have not um, had the opportunity to attend a sound bath session. So for me, for Zen Soul Balance, I uh, use a variety of instruments, and I always like to start my introduction with describing um, what type of instruments I'll be using and then what um, the participants can expect. So I use gongs, drums, chimes, Tibetan bowls, and a variety of other instruments, and always like to bring out some surprises. So the goal is to create a space where each person can relax as much as possible. Some people people like to lay down, some people like to lay on their side, some people like to stay in a seated meditation, and they're generally um, depending on what type of event it is, but the public events usually when I partner with studios or businesses or organizations, are usually around 60 minutes. Other times we'll do um, just a 30-minute meditation using a few instruments. 
And the goal is for the body to fully relax so you can go on your own sound journey to relax the mental chatter and surrender into the experience. And um, yeah, it's becoming definitely more trendy. People are starting to catch on. It's not just some woo-woo experience. <laughs> There's actually science and research to back uh, what is happening in the body, an energetic level and a cellular level. And um, yeah, just rearranging us since we are vibrational beings. Yeah, that's, and that was, a, how long was the one on Friday? It was 60 minutes. Yeah, it seemed like I was in there for hours. Did it was it? so <laughs> relaxing. I really didn't even, I know that we had a start time. We got there a little early, but I have no idea when I left. I mean, I just remember laying down <laughs> and then when it was time to go, me going, no, I don't want to go yet. Like 10 more hours of this. <laughs> well, so it's so interesting because I usually hear it that people, ex, you know, experience it as so fast. Like, well, that was an hour. Oh my God. It felt like it was just like 15 mm -hmm. minutes. We just laid down. It goes by so fast. <laughs> it really did. And it's, uh, what you do with the instruments that you use, I mean, it seemed like there were multiple people too, you know, the way you're able to sync them up and, and have them uh, just, it was seamless. There was no like pause or stop or Jenny's going over here to do this thing. Like I had no idea what you were doing. I was just fully engulfed in this, you know, sound or you said vibration mm -hmm. and it is uh, you can f like feel it inside of you. I mean, it's a very powerful experience. What, what got you into this? Yeah, well, I gosh, um, I, I want to like touch on something that you just said, because I had some really interesting feedback from that sound bath that you attended. Um, one of my regulars that she's been coming to my sound bath for a while and just recently finished my 25 hour yin training. She brought her mother there and, um, I believe her mother was probably in her seventies. I can't remember if she, she shared that she was visiting from Milwaukee. And, mm -hmm. um, after the fact of the, you know, we finished a sound bath and then she shared with me that she was feeling a, a physical sensation of warmth around her knee where she's been struggling from some pain. I'm not sure she's had surgery or some kind of knee issues and that um, she felt a relief after the sound bath and that she felt it throughout the entire sound bath, like almost a penetration of heat. Um, and, and then her friend that was with her as well said she had a very similar experience and she was like shaking her leg and walking around saying she wasn't feeling any heat and she felt a relief. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's really amazing. But that's not the first time that I've, I've heard that from uh, participants, which is always really fascinating. So it's just kind of cool that, um, yeah. What was the other question? No, that's, you said that, well, that's okay. You said there was science behind that too. I mean, what kind oh, of science right. do you, because yeah, okay. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like right now I just have anecdotal evidence. I go, I feel amazing. Mm -hmm. I leave and it was like just totally a great use of time. But what is right. the science? All right. So, well, if we think about the brain waves, so it's um, slowing down the brain waves, right? So we, we're entering into a meditative state. So we go from the kind of the, the uh, gamma states to slowing down to the alpha and then um, into the hopefully beta and then the delta if I get really lucky where we slow down to into your deep into a deeply restorative state so the mental chatter begins to slow down and you can relax so the body is also um, over 70 percent water and sound travels five times more efficiently through water than it does than it does air. And so if you think about that, the vibrations from these instruments are, you know, are penetrating us and they're rearranging us on a cellular level. And so it's just fascinating that it's, you know, it's almost giving us like an internal vibrational massage, if you will, 
always tell that to everyone when we finish a sound bath session to be sure that you drink lots of water and try to stay unplugged as long as possible. <laughs> you may have some insights. You may feel some movement in the body. You may feel emotional. You just never know how it's going to affect you. It's moving energy through the body. So it's very fascinating. Yeah, I know. We didn't even want to turn on our phones. My friend and I that came like afterwards, you know, we used an Uber to get there and we're like, oh, I don't even want to turn on my phone. I just feel so relaxed. Like looking at my phone seems like too much work. <laughs> and we were like, oh, we have to call this Uber. We're just going to be sitting here on the curb for a while. <laughs> but uh, so how, um, I don't know a lot about the different brain waves. How much do you, you know, when you talk about delta, beta, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot. I haven't studied the brain waves um, that much. There's the book. Um, oh gosh, I can't think of Joe Dispenza's book right now that mm. is still sitting on my table that I've been meaning to finish reading. <laughs> but he mentions this, you know, some about the the brain waves, and then also the healing power of sound. If you want to learn more about that, by Mitchell Gaynor, who is an oncologist. That is, uh, you know, he wrote this amazing book that um, just explains kind of how sound and vibration from these instruments have been so healing for his patients as well. Some resources if you want to learn a little bit more about it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, even when some people hear, you know, like vibrational being, it sounds so, you know, mystical, woo-woo, hippy-dippy, Southern California, but uh, when you're talking about it, I mean, maybe there's a little element of that, but also from a scientific standpoint, I mean, you're just talking about, you know, it. It, I guess I in the science community, I don't hear, think about vibrations a lot, or it doesn't seem, they seem like two different worlds. Well, it would be, I think, associated to the vibration and energy, so energy and matter, right? So if you mm -hmm. think about in the body, you go down to the cellular level, this, from inside the cells, the molecules and the atoms, they're vibrating beings, so if you think about it that way. Mm -hmm. And then you can also think it energetically, um, Pranas, life force energy. Prana is the Indian Sanskrit word, or chi is the Chinese word, or ki is the Japanese word, the energetic body. So it's mm. you know, can be described many different ways by many different people. Yeah, I mean, and these are things that have been around for thousands of years, but in the in the Western world, we don't think of chi as something that you can measure or touch or see. In fact, in the martial arts community, it's it's really amusing because there are these uh, like martial art cults, really, where there are chi masters that are essentially just fake, and they swear like they they train people and they have people like follow them very closely and become their pupils, and they say that they can like defend and attack and use this chi energy, and there uh, there's a, a an Instagram account, really a business called McDojo Life, and they go find these like fake martial art gurus and put them on display. And it's really interesting because, I mean, there is uh, a great wisdom behind like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of that Taoist book, the Taoist book from a while back. But at the same time, people misrepresent things all the time. And that can lead to people hearing something like chi and going, oh, I don't know, it doesn't sound real. I can't, I can't see it with my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you communicate? Have you ever had that come up when people are talking to you about it? Um, no, you know, I try to keep most of my teachings, especially in my trainings, more on kind of the the kindergarten level, if you will. <laughs> I don't get, you know, too advanced with it. Um, I think, especially when I'm teaching yin yoga, and then there's the sound healing 101 that's involved. It's um, very foundational. Um, and it's a, it's, 
I like to use models, which are functional simplifications for learning, right? And we use models for everything. And when I'm teaching, I'm using these models to simplify the learning process. And then for those who want to learn more about it, I'll provide resources and you can go study whatever interests you most, like the brainwaves. <laughs> and that book, by the way, is Becoming Supernatural. And I know I just had a conversation oh, with yeah. someone about that book yesterday, Dr. Joe Dispenza, right? And they were like, well, yeah, it, it sounds woo-woo, but this book isn't woo-woo. It's Becoming Supernatural, which I was very resistant to even buying this book for the longest time for that reason. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really trying to become supernatural. And um, now I'm like halfway through the book, but that was months ago and I need to finish reading it because I have four books stacked on my <laughs> table right now. But he's uh, he speaks about, you know, neuroscience and all that, you know, mm -hmm. has some really, you, you, you've read the book or? No? I have it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you could probably speak on it better than I can. Yeah. But he speaks on the, the brainwaves, right? I haven't, I haven't read that one. That's, oh, it's okay. on my list. It's one of those, I started reading, I picked that up because I started reading a lot about quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Um, and there's a group, a consulting group that I work with, uh, sometimes called Exchange. And he's really popular in their community. And there are, uh, you know, cardiologists and they work with the HeartMath Institute. And so, you know, I've been able to participate in some of these conversations and kind of learn secondhand from people. And, and many folks uh, in the consulting group, in fact, that picture up there on the wall is, a, is our consulting group. Oh, and uh, yeah. And I know they went and spent time with Joe Dispensonius in Southern California, like last year, year before. I think it was the kind of like the height of the pandemic, like right in the 2020. And so they were thinking about an event and not really doing it, but they went ahead with it or something like that. So I get uh, some of them. I mean, one of the most interesting things coming out of like the HeartMath Institute talking about, you know, energy and vibration and the science is just mm -hmm. the rhythm of our pulse and how it is, you know, connected to the earth. Again, it sounds very much like Pocahontas, you know, avatar stuff, <laughs> but they are being able, you know, they're getting closer and closer. They're, they're quantifying things now mm -hmm. that, you know, is connecting the woo-woo with the real world. So, yep. yeah. It's interesting. I think we're in an interesting time right now where... There's now science and research to back so much of the stuff that was once thought to be woo-woo, which is, you know, it's fascinating. I love it. It. <laughs> yeah, it almost makes me wonder, I mean, when you look at some of these ancient texts, you know, is it like, did they have some of this figured out before? And when things happen, like burning the library of Alexandria or, you know, collapse of civilizations, did we lose some of the information and we, you know, didn't know how to interpret it correctly or or is it brand new you know are we just describing it in a in a new way it's, mm -hmm. it's really interesting because obviously i mean i think even going to like the acupuncturists you know when they talk about meridians like they operate off of you know the chinese philosophy of meridians for you know these things in your body that this has a certain energy source i've some people could call it the placebo effect if they want but i have work through so many injuries and ailments, you know, from what some folks would think of as like magical powers of the needles in your shoulder. And I'm like, no, it worked pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Speaking of thousands of years ago, so um, yin yoga, toys here. <laughs> yeah. Bust out the toys. Okay. So, um, so yin yoga is what I am most passionate about not only practicing myself, but sharing with others as well. And um, 
It just made me think of it whenever you were saying, you know, some of these things from thousands of years ago. So, I mean, yoga has been practiced for a very, very long time. And though yin yoga has only been around really since the 80s or coined yin yoga. So yin yoga you know, stems from the um, roots of hatha yoga. And um, hatha yoga has been part of the American physical culture since around the 1890s. So no one invented yoga per se. It's, you know, <laughs> if you look back at the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, there were 15 asanas that were described. And I believe it was nine of those that were seated floor-based poses. And that's yin. So it wasn't called yin back then. Um, in fact, yin was coined by Paul Grilly, the founder of Yin Yoga. He's been pioneering the way for us. He was the first one to develop the first full-length Yin class, all-encompassing of a beginning meditation, these long-held postures, yang activations in between, the rebounds, and, um, of course, the closing meditation, Shavasana. And um, he was inspired. It was originally called Taoist Yoga, and he was inspired by one of his students at the time. She's gone on to now become a master teacher of her with her own style. Um, Sarah Powers is the one who came up with the, the name Yin. Like, yeah, let's let's call it the Yin. But um, anyway, so Paul was first inspired to begin practicing these long-held postures. Um, at the end of his martial arts sessions with Polly Zink. Polly Zink is the one who started incorporating these long-held stretches after their sessions. And um, Paul thought it felt really amazing in his body. And he went on to to develop this style of yoga for us, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> that is pretty. And I don't, do you know what kind of martial arts they practice? Or? I'm not sure. No, I don't know that. I probably sh- oh. should figure well, that out for you because I know you're into that well, stuff, aren't when, you? <laughs> when you say when you say asana, like oh, I mean, I yeah. hear it in yoga all the time. I've been around. Does that just mean pose, like a type of pose? A very good question. Yes, asana is a pose. Also means a pose, and in Yin Yoga, we actually call it a shape, or I call it a shape anyway. That's what Paul Grilly calls it a shape because we're creating shapes with our body. Yes, good clarification there. <laughs> yeah, and that. That's one of the interesting things about uh, yoga, I think, about a lot of things. I mean, how important do you think it is in your, you know, with your teachings, since it is a, a newer, uh, what would you call it, like, form of, of yoga or newer style, I guess, for people to be on the same page with terminology to help it develop? Yeah, so I like to think of... Yin and yang. So yin and yang are like two sides of a coin, right? One does not exist without the other. And there are yin forms of exercise. There are yang forms of exercise. They're both equally important to gain optimal health. Um, So yang forms of exercise are dominant in our society. And I like to think of yang forms of exercise as like active dynamic practices, and um, yang forms of exercise, if we think about yoga, yang forms of yoga target the muscles, those are the yang tissues in the body. So your yang forms of yoga would be like hatha yoga, um, slow flow, vinyasa, ashtanga, bikram, power yoga, all targeting the muscles. And so all forms of yoga or yoga asana shapes, poses, aim at 
increasing flexibility and relaxing muscular engagement. But when you're practicing yang forms of yoga, the emphasis is on strength and endurance. So the poses are performed in a rhythmic, repetitive way, and they're generally held from like maybe 10 seconds to 30 seconds. So on the flip side of that, the yin tissues in the body, which often get overlooked, and these are your connective tissues. Fascia is a big one that we talk about often. Bones, ligaments, joints, vertebral discs, etc. So when you are practicing yoga in a yin fashion, the aim is to relax fascial contracture, including the, the ligaments, the joints, and the vertebral discs relaxing the muscles so that you can begin to work into those deep, dense layers of fascia. And you hold poses anywhere from generally about two minutes to seven minutes upward. And um, yeah, it takes generally a minimum of two minutes to begin changing from a gel-like state to a solution-like state. <laughs> uh, and this is when you begin to, um, to move through the layers of fascia in the body to release stress and tension the beauty of yin yoga also is that it um, promotes flexibility and mobility, and you don't have to be flexible to to come into this style of yoga. It's a very um, it's a very simple practice. It's simple to create these shapes. You're usually seated or floor based, or you're laying down. But it's not always easy. It's not easy because one, you have to hold steady and still. We're not used to doing that, or it's not always easy because we live in a very active, overstimulated lifestyle lifestyles, and um, and also the mental chatter, right? Just to calm the mind. It's, it's, it's challenging just to, to be able to slow down, to, to, um, to marinate in these shapes and to let the body begin to heal on the inside. So did that just answer the your question? Active, <laughs> just the activity of sitting quietly. One of my favorite thoughts ever from like an old philosopher is most of man's problems stem from the inability to sit quietly in a room. So... Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be said for that. Now, when you say young, I mean, that makes me think of, uh, you know, we used to draw these all the time as a kid, like uh, yin, the yin-yang oh, yeah. symbol, yeah, right? Exactly. So yang yeah. is different than yang? No, or, it's the I'm, same. It's just a tomato, tomato. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a yang. Okay. <laughs> and so the... Exactly the, that symbol. <laughs> so that's, okay. So the yin is the, the white area, the balancing it out, the deep... Uh, you know, recovery type, restorative. Uh, with connective tissues, I, I might have this wrong. Maybe you can correct me. There's Are there four types of connective tissues that we have? Well, it, connective tissues are, I mean, it, you, maybe you're thinking about, are you talking about fascia? Well, I'm thinking about like ligaments, tendons. Like when you say connective tissues, what exactly so are you? So connective tissues are, fascia is con- considered a connective tissue. Mm-hmm. Bones, ligaments, joints, vertebral discs, cartilage, tendons. Hmm. I think that's about it. I might, might have missed one or two, but I was, oh, oh, it was seven. <laughs> I was counting on my fingers here. I have my hands under the table. Okay. Ooh. Um I, I, I don't, wanted... I'm, I don't know. I, I think it's like, yeah, it's okay to say you don't know. That's so funny yeah. because my teacher, uh, Joe Burnett, who is uh, Paul Gurley's right-hand man and, and primary teaching assistant for every one of his teacher trainings, he wears a t-shirt because he travels around the world and does these trainings. So he has one for in each language of the countries that he's teaching in. And he has a, I don't know. And he, that's the one thing he teaches all of his students is say, you don't know. If you don't know, it's okay to say, you don't know, feel confident, uh-huh. own it. Oh, gosh, sorry. I don't, there's like a little peg. <laughs> I 
hanging out on the table. Do you want me to move it? No, it's okay. I'm just going to push it in. There we go. So don't keep hitting it. Okay, there we go. Anyway, so I'm going to guess seven, but I don't know. Okay. I wonder because I I guess I've never really thought of like bone as a connective tissue. Oh. I think of it as, uh, I mean, it's. Oh, it's bone. So I didn't really think of more of like calcium buildup than an actual tissue. Okay, that's interesting. So just to wrap up the yin-yang thing too, I like to think of like there's a yin aspect to life and there's a yang aspect to life. There's a Mm -hmm. yin way to practice yoga and there's a yang way to practice yoga that goes far beyond the actual movements and postures in a yin practice, right? So yin is is, um, nourishing, it's allowing, it's... um, it's surrendering. And so even, you know, in an active yang style of yoga, if you're in a sweaty style of yoga, which I know that you love that hot power, sweaty style of yoga, you can, you can, um, kind of welcome this, this yin sensitivity that will help you gain so much more from the practice. Or even in a yang active lifestyle, you can, um, also kind of embrace awareness and acceptance that will help you gain contentment in life. Um, So, you know, yin and yang can be thought of in so many, so many different ways. And when you're practicing yin yoga, what we do, it can be done and studied just as any other school of yoga. What we do is different, but how we do it is the biggest difference. Mm. So that's what's really interesting. Yeah, that's one thing that has shifted a lot for me. Even talking to you about yin yoga, you know, somewhat has shifted how I do certain things, thinking about it a little bit more. Because I used to love, I mean, I've I've probably took my first yoga class like 12 years ago. And it was a hot yoga class. Uh, And I remember going in and it was actually, it must have been Bikram because it was like an hour and a half. And it was like 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning and... 12 years ago, I was the only guy in there, you know, it was like a lot of these little old hippie ladies that were super <laughs> cute. And then there was me and I was like, all right, this feels weird. But uh, <laughs> I loved it, you know, and I think they were, they were definitely surprised that I made it the whole class and just pass out and die partway through to be in the first one. Um, but the mental challenge and just how I feel with the, you know, the fact it was really hot and sweaty and there's a lot to be said for like sauna use, things like that. But that did get me into the core power style, which is very intense, flowy, like go. And I, I really enjoyed that for years because it, it was kind of like part of that driver mentality. I feel like there's goals and you like have targets you can hit. And so, you know, you go in there and you just like, it's like crushing a workout and you can <laughs> feel good coming out of it. Um, but in the last, I'd say about a year now, you know, I've gotten really into Bikram yoga because it's the same poses every time. And what I've enjoyed about that, there are a little more, a little more holding, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, that type of thing. But because it's the same movements every time, it's a real good check-in in terms of how you doing in life. Mm-hmm. Why was this easy last time a little bit harder today? What have you been eating? What have you been doing? You've been sleeping like a pretzel, you know, <laughs> like taking care of yourself. And so... It's like this mirror because if I did something really well the last six times and now it's a little bit off, it, it gives me an opportunity to reflect and go, what what shifted? And that seems to come out for me anyways in those classes very much to help me stay on point. Do you find that with, uh, with the end because the poses, you know, you spend so much time in them? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so in, in Bikram, and I, I think I've only practiced Bikram a couple times, but is it the same sequence over and over, like in the same order every time? Mm-hmm. Okay. At least where yeah. I go. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in yin, so we, there, we use archetypes. Um, so there's an archetype each archetype um, has a specific target area. You have your primary target area. So there's an intention for every shape that you create. Um, and there's mild to moderate level of sensation, positive stress to the tissues in the body. So for each, we have, we consider five primary archetypes that are the foundation of a yin um, practice. There are seven archetypes that are the foundation of the entire practice. Two of those are, are yang. Um, within each of those archetypes, there are many shapes that fall under the archetypes. I like to think of the archetypes kind of as like an umbrella or a code word. Um, so we can create all of these different variations of shapes. So for example, caterpillar is one of the archetypes, caterpillar pose, caterpillar shape. Um, there is a caterpillar shape, but underneath caterpillar shape archetype or umbrella, there are so many other um, shapes that you can create with your body that are targeting the hamstrings. That's the primary target area, mild to moderate level of stress in the hamstrings. And then the low back is the secondary target area. So, um, Though we do not do the same sequence every single class, we revisit the shapes within each of these archetypes. And you definitely feel the progress if you are consistent with your practice. Because, and we'll talk about fascia here in a moment, fascia is stubborn um, and it requires patience. It requires a consistent practice to begin working into those deep, dense layers of fascia. But when you commit to a practice and you practice, I say minimally one time a week, two to three is better. It doesn't even have to be a full length class, which I would consider to be about 75 minutes to 90 minutes. Um, I can't even, you know, I I don't have the time to do that on a, a regular basis because I'm a very busy full-time entrepreneur now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, running Zen Soul Balance. Um, Anyway, you know, even 20 to 30 minutes is beneficial. You don't have to do every single target area. Each archetype has a target area, but you will definitely, if you can, you know, stay consistent with your practice, feel the results, see the results. And um, yeah, it ends up being a pretty amazing practice, not only physically, but uh, energetically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually for some. Did I go full circle and answer that question for you? Because <laughs> I know uh, we were talking about sure. Bikram. I think you, you covered it. I mean, that's... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very <laughs> long where, answer. You go where you want with it. You just, <laughs> you just go for it. Um, well, that is... Uh, uh, so 75 minutes. I mean, you said consistency too. And I think that's true for like anything in life. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to show up regularly. There's no... You know, especially in the American lifestyle, there's this concept of take a pill and fix it or give me a Band-Aid or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, so I just want the quick fix. But when it comes to longevity or injury recovery or I think just health in general, mental health, I mean, I was thinking about that this morning. Like if people just spent five to ten minutes a day even writing down some of their thoughts like mental health in the u.s would probably make a ton of progress but it's time it's effort absolutely it's the same thing with you know with your your practice what are some of the most exciting stories that you've encountered in terms of teaching people and what they've gotten out of i mean earlier you shared the you know, ladies talking about their knees and yeah. feeling great. And 
what else? Yeah, uh, well, uh, one cool thing that we haven't touched on yet is is pairing yin yoga and sound healing together, which has been mm. really fascinating. So I started doing that. So I've been um, practicing yoga for over 20 years. I gravitated towards yin yoga about a decade ago. And, um, you know, I was actually practicing for the first time in Bali. And that's where I was doing my trainings over there as well and went on to do trainings with Paul Grilly, the founder of yin. And then um, I started just to feel these amazing results within my body and naturally wanted to share that with my community. And so as I started sharing the practice of yin, very soon after, I started to um, welcome sound in because I was having profound experiences with sound healing as well. I was like, okay, there is something here. We've got to pair these two. And so um, actually, one of my business partners at the time, I had him sit beside me and start playing the instruments. Actually, let me rewind a little bit. We would experiment first. Um, he would play the instruments. I would get into shapes. And I started to feel, um, for example, one of... Um, the stress containers in the body where we hold a lot of tension is the hips and also in the shoulders. So one of the shapes in, um, in yin yoga working into the hips is a swan. Let's say a swan pose we're working into also known as pigeon pose in yang forms of mm. yoga swan working into the hips, the glutes can be challenging, you know, cause we, we, we sit often, we sit while we're working, we sit while we're doing podcasts, we sit while we're traveling, we sit and watch TV, we sit at the computer, right? The hip flexors get really tight. We tension builds up in and around the hips. Whenever we're working into the, into the stress containers and applying positive stress to the tissues, um, it's, it's not always comfortable. Yin yoga is not always comfortable. <laughs> Sound healing helps not only to release the tension in the body physically, but also helps with that meditative state. So yin yoga is also a very meditative practice. These shapes become your container for meditation. So the sound, what I noticed uh, when, when my business partner would play the instruments is some of the deeper tones and uh, resonant vibrations would penetrate in my hips and help me to relax and surrender into the shapes more easily than the higher notes. You know, it was really crazy because I would feel my body begin to tense up. And then I would start, you know, experimenting with other heart opening shapes and play light, airy sounds. And I would feel myself light and airy and feel like I'm floating. And <laughs> so I was like, okay, is, is it just me that's feeling this? And I wanted to share that with my classes. So I started welcoming him to my class and, um, and started getting some really interesting feedback from my students as well, how, you know, what they were feeling in their experiences. And, um, it was not uncommon to have students leave either in tears, you know, maybe of sadness, maybe of joy, or maybe, you know, just feeling a little bit confused, or there was some kind of energy movement in the body. And, um, and this happened again and again and again until like, okay, um, there's something here. I'm going to, to welcome this into my business and soul balance. And that's what I've been doing has been my mission to, um, to share this practice. It's, it's a very healing practice on so many different levels. And I, I personally have, you know, felt the energy movement, you know, it, there are certain shapes like a twisting shape, a spinal twist, for example, and, um, coming out of a, a spinal twist, working on a chakra meditation workshop that I was doing once before. And when I released the shape, the tears just started flowing. I wasn't feeling, I didn't think I was feeling emotional. I was 
feeling pretty fine and happy and go lucky that day. And apparently I've moved some energy in the body and I, I had a huge emotional release. So these are the types of things that I've experienced and that I've seen my students experience as well, which has been fascinating for me to witness. And are you, are you seeing this like being applied to, you know, hospitals or assisted living communities or places where there's a population that is, you know, fairly ill? Absolutely. Actually, for a little over a year, I was teaching at Scripps Integrative Medicine for cancer survivors, and I was doing a restorative yoga and sound healing practice. And then um, I went on to start teaching. The only reason why I left that position was because I started doing the 25-hour yin foundations trainings, which was uh, taking a lot of my time and energy. At, at that time, I was still working my full-time corporate job, and so I was juggling both building Zen Soul Balance as my passion project, as well as, um, you know, all of the the duties and tasks that I needed to handle for my corporate job. And it, you know, got a little too difficult to handle both, but um, there's definitely space for that. And uh, that's the beauty now of being a full-time entrepreneur and, and uh, you know, focusing fully on Zen Soul Balance is to be able to, to join forces with more businesses and organizations like this and to be able to offer yoga and sound healing in a very healing way for whoever can benefit from it most. And I think it's all of us actually. <laughs> well, and congratulations on your leap too. Because Thank you. <laughs> it seems like you got a little nudge and you went for it. And that yes. is uh, really important. What, what are some things that you've noticed since leaving, you know, corporate America to 100% give your full energy and attention to your business. Uh, what are some things that have really stood out to you that are different that maybe you expected and you didn't expect? Well, first of all, I just noticed actually on my way over here, I looked at my calendar and it has been exactly one month. My last day at my former job, which was iHeartRadio, iHeartMedia, formerly Clear Channel, since I was there for 16 years. <laughs> was on October the 29th. And I think today's the 28th, right? So <laughs> just wow. about one month. So crazy. Um, yeah, it's some things. Well, the beginning was emotional. Definitely. It felt like a, it still feels like a roller coaster ride. Um, just of building up the courage and really trusting the process and having the faith to spread my wings and to know that I am doing what I, living my Dharma, what, you know, here to do what I'm supposed to do. And, um, scary and exciting. And I feel like over the past month, um, since I've really taken the dive and plunged into this, that so many amazing opportunities have started to unfold. And I feel like I've barely even scratched the surface and it's really exciting. <laughs> so I actually, I feel like I'm putting together a huge puzzle right now. There are so many things out there and um, I'm kind of, I've kind of taken the shotgun approach and reached out to so many people that have crossed paths with me over the years and that have um, influenced me or Zen Soul Balance in some way. And it seems like the people that I'm reaching out to are just opening their arms and welcoming me. And it's pretty amazing. And I still, I have some really cool ideas for 2022 and I, um, the sky's the limit. Anyone wants to partner with me, if you need yin yoga, sound <laughs> healing or meditation, let me know. Cause I'm like super, like I'm in, I'm in a creative place right now and just excited to build some really amazing things and opportunities and yeah. Cool stuff. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's a testament to the kind of people, and we talked a little bit, a little bit about this before, uh, that you have around you too, because I've seen a lot of people try to take the entrepreneurial leap 
and they talk to friends and family and all they get is fear, you know, oh my gosh, how are you going to pay your bills? What do you, what if it doesn't work out? Like all these crazy things, but, uh, I love, I love seeing people. You, I mean, you know me well enough to know if someone has like something they want to do, I'll just bug them to death. <laughs> hey, did you do it yet? Hey, did you do it yet? Hey, how's that coming along? Hey, did you do it yet? Um, <laughs> And it, it really seems, and I'm only saying from an outside perspective though, but it just everywhere you go, everybody you talk to is like so happy for you. Even when you were leaving the place you spent the last 16 years. Yeah, it's a been sense amazing. I feel, it gives me goosebumps right now. I feel very supported. It is really amazing. Just, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It feels like a gift. It really does feel like pure gift to be able to, to pursue this and to share what I am so passionate about and for people to not only support me, but to, to be interested in, in learning with me and partnering with me and growing with me. And it's it really, it's just so cool. It's exciting. Great. So, so on this fashion thing, cause these things are still <laughs> yeah, hanging out. This that. reminds me of like, fashion. I haven't done a lot of fishing in my life, but I do remember when I went fishing, there were these lures can you describe what you have in your hand so everyone, yeah, that, since good. no one can see us right now. Thank you. Good point. I have what looks like it's a pouch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rubber pouch filled with green sparkles and gel. Okay. And is there a hole in the middle of it? Yes. So I could put my finger Did you in play there? with these when you were little or no? I have no idea what this is. Oh my gosh, really? You I never, okay. I was deprived guys, of a lot okay, of things Okay, so listen, everyone out there, it's I like, know someone has Chinese played with this trap? in the 80s or the 90s. <laughs> Do you guys remember water wiggles? This is called a water wiggle. You can Google it if you're not sure if you want to have a good visual of it. Okay, so... As I mentioned, I love to teach. Um, You're dating yourself, by the way, <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> I love to use interesting things and be very creative um, to teach because I think, well, we all learn differently, right? There, there's so many different ways. So I incorporate all kinds of interesting things. I lead um, yin training. So not only do I teach regular classes open to the public as well, but I... Um, if you really want to take a deep dive into yin yoga, you don't, these are teacher trainings, but it's not necessarily to become a teacher. It's just really, if you want to deepen your understanding of a functional approach to yoga. So we have a tremendous spectrum of skeletal variations and yin yoga focuses on a functional approach to yoga, focusing on functional effects. So how does it feel in your body rather than how does it look? And this is very important because everyone um, needs to create a shape that is unique to their skeleton. So um, to fascia. So I like to think of the, the skeleton, the bones, and then the exoskeleton is like the soft skeleton. So fascia is like your three-dimensional body stocking. It is everywhere. Body stocking? Body stocking. It's, uh, okay. yes, there are many different textures. So if I'm like a, a meat machine, <laughs> yeah. I've got this like sock around me of fascia. <laughs> something like that. I guess that's yeah. a good way to explain it. <laughs> so fascia is, um, it's made up of mostly collagen, also elastin, um, cells, mostly fibroblasts. And there are many different textures, as I mentioned. So some, I like to explain it. So this, this fascia runs every, is everywhere in your body. It's anchored to the bones. It runs over all of the major organs. It runs from your um, eyelids to the tips of your toes. It's, it's everywhere. Um, 
So I have this water wiggle, and this is the representation of the perifascia. So I like to use functional simplification for learning models, right? And uh, <laughs> one that I like to use is Gil Headley. He is an amazing anatomist, and um, I've dissected some cadavers with him. And the way he teaches fascia is a layering system, which I think is a great visual as well and, and thought to consider. So we have the superficial layer of fascia, which is Your spongy. flopping all over. <laughs> it's just spongy, and it's uh, kind of made up of lobules. And that is just beneath the skin. So if you just use one of your fingers and you just gently press on your on your skin, on your arm, for example, that would be your superficial layer of fascia. It's anchored to the skin. And then beneath that is the perifascia, which is a different texture than the superficial fascia. And that's what the water wiggle represents. It's... Um, it's kind of um, slippery, transparent. It's what allows the superficial layer of fascia and the deep fascia layer that's anchored to the bone to slide and glide over one another. It allows the muscles to slide and glide over one another. It's very hydrated and lubricates uh, the tissues in the body. That's your perifascia. And then your deep fascia, as I mentioned, um, is tightly woven fabric. You can think of it like that. And it is attached to um, the bones, anchored to the bones. And that's what we're really working into in a yin practice. So we hold these shapes two to seven-ish minutes to work into the deep, dense layers of fascia to release the stress and the tension. I also have Play-Doh here. <laughs> real, real quick, before the Play-Doh, you yes, said okay. uh, people get... Yeah, I think you said they find their own sort of unique skeletal shape. Yeah. How how does someone figure out their skeletal shape? I mean, how does that how does that emerge? That's a good question. Okay. So well, one, the teacher needs to be able to guide you into creating a shape um, and to give you a safe space to explore your body. So, for example, if you're coming into a dragonfly archetype, dragonfly archetype, the target area is the inner thighs, the groins. That's where we're applying positive stress to the tissues. The teacher would guide you and into a wide leg forward fold, and that would, it would be up to the student to explore the different variations that are offered by the teacher to find that mild to moderate level of sensation. So, you know, if you use a sensation scale in a yin practice, zero being no sensation at all, a waste of time, 10 being painful, whether that be physical pain or uh, maybe it's an emotional you know, sensation that you're experiencing that um, feels like pain for you, frustration or whatever it may be. Uh, that's always your one way to get out of any shape in any yoga practice is pain. Anyway, in yin, you want to be on that sensation scale, zero to 10, somewhere between a two and a four or a two and a five. Hmm. Um, and so a teacher will guide you into trying different variations with use of props or without. So in yin yoga, props are used to help you find your depth, that mild to moderate level of sensation or two to four, two to five. You can support the bones with use of like blocks. For example, we have yoga blocks, we have bolsters, which is like a big cushion. If you're not familiar with that, we use blankets as well and all sorts of interesting ways. And the encouragement always is to use your props, be creative with your props to help support the body so that you 
feel the sensation, the proper sensation in the body. And it's really, you really have to begin to explore. Not the very first time you practice yin, it may, you, you may feel like you have no clue what you're doing, not because it's difficult, but because a lot of us aren't really even in our body. We don't even know what we're supposed to be feeling or how to feel it. And that's okay. You don't have to. It's a practice. You just have to be open to trying something new. And every time you get on the mat, even if you're an advanced practitioner, is going to be a different experience. So is this somebody that, somebody, is this something that anybody can do? I mean, is this like if you're injured, if you're, you know, 70 years old, is there is there kind of an entry level or does somebody need a certain amount of, you know, physical strength or flexibility to even begin doing this? It's really a case-by-case situation. I would say, you know, if, if you've had any recent injuries or surgeries, your doctor would definitely need to release you to practice yin yoga. It can be very therapeutic. Um, if you've had surgeries, you know, and you've healed from that, if you're working through fascia, if you're working through scar tissues and your doctor has released you to, to practice yoga, it can be beneficial. Um, it's not for everybody. Not everything is for everybody, you know, and, and as we use the um, the, the model of yin yoga, the, this functional simplification for learning. Um, it's, it's not a perfect model and it's not a perfect model for everyone. Nothing's perfect, right? Um, you won't know until you actually try it. It's, I like to, I like to think that it, in my opinion, it, 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 it's very accessible and there is a way to make it work for almost everyone. And there's so many benefits. It brings so much balance into our lives because we live a very young, active lifestyle, most of us anyway. Um, yin really forces us to slow down. It forces us, it's a very introspective practice and it forces us to look inside and to really explore our interior atmosphere, which is pretty amazing. Hmm. That sounds, it sounds like a lot more than, you know, a physical form of advancing uh, a version of someone where someone's at. Your, you know, lineage, I think of that a lot. Like I know where I practice, where I practice yoga right now, hot yoga. Uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. And I believe one of those reasons is the lady that founded the yoga studio, you know, learned from a very high level practitioner and teacher, you know, in a foreign country. I'm not doing it justice to know exactly where she learned it, <laughs> but uh, she has a very strong lineage, you know, and her daughter is also a teacher there and her daughter is really, really good. They're both just really great. India? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a safe <laughs> assumption. I just don't like to make assumptions. So <laughs> I don't want to throw false information out there. Uh, this isn't the mainstream media. We don't <laughs> sensationalize things and give bad data, but, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but so with, with yours learning from Paul Grill, I think Grill's, Grilly, Paul Grilly. Grilly. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's the, you know, kind of the original human on this. Um, well, I mean, how do you, have you thought much about that being like one of the first, so you're really one of the first people to even be teaching you know, large groups of people, how mm. to practice this and how to teach others? Well, I would say Joe Burnett and uh, actually two of his um, primary assistants, his very first assistants, I believe, um, are Joe Fee and Joe Burnett. Joe Fee's a female and she's kind of handles most of Europe, I believe. I've never actually met her or trained with her. Um, I've also trained with Joe Burnett, who is in Arizona, but he does trainings in all over the place. And I've assisted him um, 
different places actually around the U.S. in his teacher trainings, which has been really cool to to study with him and also with Paul Grilly. Um, but yeah, it's he. You know, Paul has an, an interesting story on how he came up with um, a functional approach to yoga in the '80s. It wasn't even considered by yoga practitioners at the time. You know, there what what was really being kind of mass produced in within yoga teachers in the teacher trainings back in the eighties was aesthetical alignment. Everyone needed to conform to look a specific way because at that time mm. we thought that everyone's skeletons were the same. We, you know, it was Paul actually who was an anatomist and started, he was studying um, in the anatomy program at UCLA actually. And he, and I believe maybe doing dissections and, and discovered at that time on one skeleton that two bones were different two femur bones were different. He was really big and in, actually into Bikram and to, I believe Ashtanga at the time. And he was teaching aesthetical alignment. Everyone needs to look a certain way. Everyone's toes need to point in a certain way. You know, those warrior mm-hmm. shapes need to look a certain way. And at the same time, he was studying anatomy and learning about bone structures. And when he realized that the two, whatever, femur bones, let's say, were different shapes and different sizes, he was like, wait a second here. And then he saw it again and again and again. And he was like, hmm, something's not matching up. Why am I teaching all of my students to look a specific way when it could actually risk injury? Maybe their toes don't need to be facing forward. Maybe they need to be slightly out because there's, you know, the the femur bone or the, the acetabulum, whatever, the socket may be, you know, slightly angled outwards. And so a safe position for them would be toes slightly out as opposed to toes forward. Um, anyway, so that, that's just been interesting to, to study and learn because this is new information for us anyway, to, to really be able to understand functional anatomy and this tremendous spectrum of skeletal variations. We are all so unique. Every single bone in the body is different and we're perfectly asymmetrical. That's why you feel different on left side versus right side because you're not the same. <laughs> I think what you just said, it can't be overstated enough or or just stated enough or talked about enough. It's actually really, really important. Um, I have a a rotated left hip and I've had it since, gosh, maybe since I was a baby, who really knows? But I can look back at pictures and see um, uh, dissymmetry in essence from like my shoulders and arms. And I can look back at a picture of me eight years old and it's there. It's very noticeable. Mm And so I've, uh, I remember first talking to a doctor about it as a teenager and him saying, oh, like you've got scoliosis, just keep working out, you'll be fine. And then digging in like with a chiropractor in my early 20s and him actually doing some x-rays and going, no, you've got like a rotated left hip. That's why, you know, all of this stuff is essentially pulling over this way and that's why you have this and that. And so I've, I've found What's really interesting in most yoga studios, they they really want you, or just even in general, working with the personal trainer. You know, I have a lot of friends in the fitness industry are like, no, your toes have to be pointed this way or that way. But if I work with someone like uh, like Mauricio, for example, he seems to have picked up on this on his own somehow that, you know, my toes maybe don't need to point a certain way because my body works this other way. And I also know uh, an MMA coach that I uh, work with sometimes over at um, 10th Planet or San Diego Combat Academy. He, when he was teaching me, you know, when I first started like kickboxing and when we thought he would try to get me to stand a certain way. And at one point he just realized, and maybe it's because he's worked with thousands of people and has been doing this for 25 plus years, like Derek's feet don't go that way. You know, he's got mm-hmm. this weird hip <laughs> thing over here and it works for me. It's the way my body functions. I still accomplish the things that other people who stand a certain way, you know, it's just how my body gets more power, generates more power a certain way, or is able to move a little bit better because it's 
adapted. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not working to adjust some of these things too, because there's something to be said for alignment and symmetry and and going through the process has been a, a big pain in the butt because uh, I've had other things pop up as I'm like restoring my body in terms of like getting my hips really open, you know, like my sacroiliac uh, loosened up. And that's been like a crazy thing to have a bone that just decided to start moving all of a sudden in your back, like your <laughs> lower back. Um, but a lot of people don't recognize that and they actually do put people in more dangerous situations from not having that depth of knowledge. Yeah, I think it's becoming, people are becoming more and more aware of it nowadays, especially yoga teachers too. But, you know, speaking on alignment, so that's one thing that there's, there's can be misunderstood, you know, out there in yoga land, um, especially, you know, people that don't practice yin yoga or haven't been trained in yin yoga um, sometimes think that, um, you can do whatever you want in alignment. You don't have, you know, alignment means nothing. And that's so far from the truth because um, the difference is aesthetical alignment versus functional alignment. And functional alignment is alignment for your unique skeleton. And it, it, alignment is important. It's up to the practitioner in, in yin yoga to find their alignment because teachers don't have x-ray vision. We can't see what's going on inside of you. We can only guide you into a shape and let you know what you should be experiencing, the sensations with the, the target area and how to, you know, use the props to, to create those shapes. Um, and then it's up to the, the student to find their alignment. Um, but alignment is very important. And with whatever you're doing, functional alignment, whether it's yoga or you're practicing some, you know, workout or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, um, because it, it's, you know, supports the body, it protects the joints and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Functional alignment. What is your own personal journey in terms of your own health, you know, mental well-being, you know, that helped you latch onto this? And what are the, some some of the big personal discoveries you've had through this practice? My health. <laughs> I can go down many rabbit holes with this one. I, well, I'm very active. Let's put it that way. I um, I consider myself an athlete. I um, I love to stay busy. I love to work out. I love to run. I love to do Pilates. I love to hike. I love to do all forms of yang exercise and um, was never practicing any yin forms of yoga or exercise um, until I discovered yin yoga. And uh, I realized after my first practice, wow, where has this been all of my life? It, I like to explain it as an acquired taste though, because, it, you know, it was it felt amazing, but I was kind of bored, to be honest, because I like to work out, you know? Mm -hmm. I was like, eh, I kind of didn't want to go back, but there was something calling me back to it, like go back to the mat, you know? So I, I did it again. I was like, oh God, that felt really good. And then I started to create different shapes and use the props. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm like getting into that tightness in my hip that's been low back has been bothering me and hurting. And I just started to feel like a little bit lighter and just physically. And then the next, you know, after doing it, practicing several times, then I started having the emotional, you know, release or energetically, I would feel differently. And I'm like, whoa, this is 
pretty freaking amazing. Okay, I'm, I think I'm into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn more about the practice myself, and I want to figure out what the heck is going on. So that's when I went on to study you know, more of the science behind it, and I tracked down Paul Grilly. I'm like, hey, where did this even come from? I want to learn from the main man, and I started studying with him and have gone on now to study with Joe, and now I'm developing my own trainings and partnering with Joe on future stuff. And yeah, it's just been amazing. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's really fantastic and be able to uh spread that too okay i know you were you were playing the play-doh earlier as oh, well yeah. so let's let's, let's dig into the play-doh so okay. you've got play-doh we've play-doh. got these okay, like so gel I, sacks okay water. so fascia we're going oh, let's circle back to the fascia okay. okay so we were talking about fascia so in my trainings i like to use here i'll give you some play-doh for you uh, i brought the white play-doh done. because i pulled it out the, like, all the wow. i miss this smell i haven't smelled it's, play-doh it's since like memories, i was like right? yeah um, so I, I <laughs> brought the Play-Doh out at the last training and, you know, has, I have all different colors and I'm teaching and I'm playing with the Play-Doh and I had the blue Play-Doh in my hand. What I didn't realize, I have to warn everyone next time is it, the dye gets on your hands. And I was like, everyone's hands were different colors. I don't so I remember like, that from Play-Doh. I didn't remember that either. I, okay. yeah, this is new. I just welcomed this one into my training that I finished up uh, in October, and, but I like it. I just... Um, I feel compelled to make like a little Play-Doh pizza right now. Like I'm definitely got some memories coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we have, okay. So I have Play-Doh and I have rubber bands here Mm -hmm. and this is what I like to, um, big rubber bands. Yes. Here's your rubber band. Okay. Okay, So when, okay. So what do you think the rubber band represents? Well, the sad part is I guessed it wrong With regard to (laughs) the musculoskeletal system. (laughs) Yeah. I immediately. The human body. When you asked me this before, I I immediately thought tendon, right? Because tendons, I think of like stretch, but they're also kind of like firm. But you, I believe, spoiler alert, you said it's muscle. So yes, when we compare the rubber band and the Play-Doh, rubber band represents muscle because muscles are highly contractile. So they stretch fairly easily and they rebound Mm. quickly, meaning they return to their natural position or shape pretty easily easily in comparison to fascia. So Play-Doh represents fascia because fascia is like stiff dough. Hmm. It is resistant to stretching, right? So that's the reason why in a yin shape we hold poses minimally two minutes because we want to influence the fascia. We want to rearrange those stubborn fascial patterns, so two minutes, the fascia begins to loosen up some. You begin to work through. So when you say two minutes, when you're holding a pose for two minutes. You're relaxing into a pose, yes. Okay, as much as you it. can. So in yin yoga, it's not lazy yoga. So how can you not be behind an exercise where you get to lay on the ground and relax? <laughs> well, let's say, for example, if you're doing, this is the best way I can kind of paint the picture for you. If we're working into what we call dragon, dragon pose, mm-hmm. working into the hip flexors would be, like a low lunge. Hopefully you can visualize that would be a low lunge, right? You're not completely relaxed in a, in a low lunge position. You're in a yin practice, you're supporting yourself. So your upper body is probably resting on blocks or a bolster. I like to create a little shelf for the arms to rest on. You can hold yourself upright or you can lay down, but you are engaging some muscles to hold you in the shape. The goal is to relax the muscles in the target area. When the muscles are relaxed in the target area, that's when you begin to work through the layers of fascia and release the tension. Does that make sense? I believe I believe so, yeah. So it's not, like you said, not lazy yoga, but it's also something that I love that you used the word uh, accessible earlier because mm-hmm. I think of, 
you know, when I think of something that's really special for people to incorporate into their life, to, you know, help heal, help us feel better mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, these things help us make the most of life. When something is accessible to more people, it's really, really powerful. And the fact that you can come in as a pro athlete and get benefits out of this, or you can come in as, you know, my grandma and also get a benefit out of it. That's a a very wide range of uh, access and and benefit too. Absolutely. Yeah. I am. Speaking of grandma, it just made me think of someone who comes on a regular basis to my class and um, she doesn't do most of the physical poses. She does some of them, but she'll create her own shapes. And I think she's just there one for the sound healing Hmm. one to be able to slow down and to relax, to be around, you know, community as well. But sometimes she'll just lay there and we'll just kind of do a little twist here and there or, just relax and has her pillow and blanket and, <laughs> and it, you know, she leaves smiling and happy and feeling amazing. We call it the yin cloud. When you leave a, a yin practice, it can be very powerful on so many different levels. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, then, then there's some that come and are doing full on jump splits and like ready to, to, you know, I call them my sensation seekers that are really looking for a nice deep stretch. And I'm like, hmm. okay, you got to slow down because in yin, the the goal is to, well, I'll say the goal, well, one of the goals anyway, is it's to take a passive approach, right? If you if you really force yourself into the shape, because there are a lot of people that come in into the, the class, into yin, because they're very active and they just want a nice deep stretch. But what happens is it can, it can easily become counterproductive. When you force yourself into a pose and you go past that two minute or that, that sensation scale from two to four or two to five, if you jump immediately to an eight, the muscles contract, they, you know, they're, they're, they're protecting the body. So they immediately want to become tense and they contract as opposed to relaxing and, you know, becoming productive in a yin-like way. I feel like that's something that my body has just started to figure out. And I understand what you're saying, like in terms of my hamstring flexibility, like I've been able to touch my toes for a long time, but it's never made it past a certain point. And it's because I push myself to touch my toes. So it, it is painful, but I get there. And as I've like really slowed down on certain things and just kind of allowed, you know, okay, instead of doing this for 30 seconds, I'm going to do it for, we'll say a minute, not quite two minutes or whatever, but or 90 seconds even it, it does slow down and I'm, it's advanced my opening of my hips in certain ways or sitting, I don't know what you'd call it. Lotus pose, I guess is what you do when you sit with your heels. Indian style. Yeah. With your heels touching though, like the bottoms, the soles of your feet. So you'd call that butterfly. Okay. So like that for me, like I did it for a while before I finally got to where I could teach myself to relax and do it. And it's, it's making a lot more progress though. And I was like forcing Mm -hmm. my legs down, come on, knees Mm -hmm. touch the ground. And, uh, seems, seems counterintuitive because when you think of like, you're talking about young types of exercise, or if I go to the gym, like I just want to push a lot of weight because that makes me stronger, (laughs) but it's not not the same with these deeper sensations as you're calling them with, uh, with flexibility. At least I, I kind of personally, uh, understand a little bit of what you're talking about from my own experience. So, yeah, you know, you know, speaking of exercise and you know, what you just mentioned, I, I like to think of all exercise, the theory of exercise is to stress the tissues and then rest the tissues, right? So in yang forms of exercise, we're stressing the muscles generally uh, by tearing down the muscle fibers, right? And then we give the body time to heal, become stronger, more tone, whatever the the goal is. Um, 
And then in yin yoga, we, we apply positive stress. It's a different type of stress. So in yin yoga, the, the stresses to the body are tension and compression. So there are two types of tension. That's pulling on the tissues or contracting the tissues. Um, and then compression, that's bone-on-bone compression or soft tissue compression. Um, <laughs> what are you making with your Play-Doh over there? Just, just like, <laughs> trying to get pizza. You got like so, um, too much tension fun. or <laughs> tension and tension or compression. Both open help to open the fascial channels. They help to rearrange those stubborn stubborn fascial channels. So compression would be like, um, for example. We call it sphinx pose, where you're laying down on your belly and you prop yourself slightly up. There's a mild compression to the mm-hmm. low back, which can be very therapeutic if you don't have um, any recent back injuries. But it's a really good one. Um, some, you know, I used to think it was a boring, a boring shape. Like, why am I even in this shape? And then I realized how therapeutic it actually is because there's so many of us that yeah. struggle from low back pain. Um, or low back discomfort, and um, that's one that that um, types of compression Take that away from you <laughs> <laughs> that uh, can be very beneficial. So positive stress uh, in a yin like way, tension and compression. That's what yeah. we're, we're aiming for. People don't realize that with stress, there's two types of stress. There's what you call distress, which is the and I, I imagine it could be similar or the same for muscles. There's eustress, which is stress that is positive and actually helps you grow. And then there's distress, which is like where you know, anxiety, freaking out, you can be counterproductive with it. Now, you you know, you said ideally, I think a, a great class is 75 minutes long. Would there be a benefit to someone who was thinking, okay, this sounds really cool. Uh, I don't have enough yin style exercise in my life, you know, but I also have a very, you know, uh, deep schedule and things that I don't want to make a lot of changes to. Is there like a a benefit to doing, you know, yen even 10 minutes a day, a few times a week? Yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, I, um, when I was working behind the computer all day, every day, I would often bring my computer, my laptop down onto the floor and use a couple props and go into butterfly pose. If I felt my hip flexors getting really tight, um, you could do a shape here and there. You don't have to do a full length class. I'm actually starting in January um, doing corporate wellness events. And one of the offerings is going to be a 30 minute um, sound meditation and gentle stretch. So um, 30 minute session could work as well. 75 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes. Um, it's, you know, you could make it work for you in all sorts of interesting ways <laughs> for whatever length of time that is beneficial for you. So. It does not have to be a full-length class, in other words. Nice. Well, I know you brought a lot of stuff. Were there some things in particular that you were, like, really excited to discuss or talk about? Gosh, I think we've we've talked about so much. I'm really excited. I have my manual here. I wish I could show you all through the microphone, but you can't (laughs) see it. (laughs) But you can check it out. Um, You can check it out on my Instagram or my website. Zen Soul Balance is my... um, business name. I know I mentioned that before, but my Instagram is Balance, Z-E-N, Soul, S-O-U-L, Balance, B-A-L-A-N-T-E. Anyway, so um, I have trainings coming up. I have not opened registration for that yet, but I'm really excited. I'm actually partnering with one of my old yoga studios in Texas to do a training coming up this spring. I'll be home for my niece's wedding. So bringing it home, ZSP, that's so exciting for me. And then I'll be back here offering a training in the spring of 2022 um, at Booty Yoga, 
registration will be open for that soon. I'll be also be offering trainings at Rifts Yoga Studios. I do monthly sound baths, partnering with various yoga studios around town. Um, retreats are in my near future and radar. <laughs> if anyone uh, has any amazing ideas or locations for retreats, let me know. I'm in the market <laughs> and uh, have discussions going as well for that. I am. Um, I'm just really all about right now offering unique wellness experiences to whoever feels like they can benefit from ZSB services. And I am also um, building my team, which is really exciting and new uh, information as well. So <laughs> I have a couple meetings next week with some other teachers and sound healers in the area, and I am recruiting them to the ZSB teams. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exciting. That is really exciting. And, and just uh, so you're taking it to Texas, but we're in we're in San Diego. So you're based out of La Jolla. So these studios you mentioned are all La Jolla based for anybody that lives in San Diego or is traveling to San Diego. And Booty's funny. Every time I hear that someone mentioned that place, I'm like B-O-O-T-Y. But it's <laughs> it was a B-U-D-D-H-I. Correct. OK, so it's not like booty because I mean, we I mean, the, I love where marketing has gone in 2021 because <laughs> there was a drink I was drinking the other day and it said tasty AF on it. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like the drink just doesn't care. Oh my and gosh. we have the glute lab. I mean, we legit have a, a whole business model here just around shaping nice, big, healthy, strong butts. So sometimes <laughs> you got to double check on how things is sound. Is that in San Diego? It is. I think it's oh, over in that. TV. The guy's like really... Um, I mean, he's done something incredible with it because it's, it has a lot to do with, you know, hip strength and everything, but it's called the glute lab. Oh, and, uh, yeah, it's got some really high level, um, competitors like, you know, fitness athletes and trainers. It's, it's really well done. So oh, people okay. are a huge fan of it, but it's, I mean, he just was like, it's what we do. <laughs> it's a lab with where we make glutes really nice. So, oh my gosh. Okay, so Booty, back to that, B-U-D-D-H-I, is a new partner of mine, and I'm really excited. I'm actually starting my my first um, noon class. I've had many people ask for a daytime class because I've, I've been teaching hmm. a Tuesday and Thursday evenings, yin yoga and sound healing at Riffs in Bird Rock um, for, uh, I've been there now, about five years or so, but this uh, will be, this week, this Tuesday, is the launch of a 12 o'clock um, lunchtime reset, yin yoga and sound mm. healing. Booty yoga is in La Jolla. Um, beautiful, beautiful space upstairs. It's open, airy. I'm excited to, to grow yin yoga and sound healing there as well. And then I'm also really excited about my new partnership with Breathe Degrees in Carlsbad. That place is amazing if you've not been. Deep diaphragmatic breathing, music inspired um, plunge. So we plunge for three to four minutes in 45 or 40 degree water and then mm. you plunge into the warm water and I'm going to be providing the sound healing for that. So um, I have December this December 10th. I think you'll have to check out my website zensoulbalance.com. <laughs> uh, that's coming up the first one where I'm just kind of do, we're doing a little trial, but we've already booked the first event coming up in January, January 9th. I believe that is that'll be on my website soon too. But um, yeah, I'm basically updating my website on a pretty much weekly basis now with new cool offerings all around town and beyond <laughs> yeah. expanding when you do and you're you mentioned your instagram too i encourage everybody to check out our instagram because you are i think i've even told you this when you share a video or something or even uh like the farmer's market like you just when you post your content and it, it's just like you in person it's like this 
very joyful like it's like a little bunny rabbit jumping <laughs> around or butterfly flying around just spreading goodness everywhere you go oh, so thank you super cool. and you're very <laughs> active on there so i know that's a, a way that people can get a hold of you and check out everything that you're doing well this has been really really fun and very yes. informative yeah. and enjoyed uh, it thank you for having me it's amazing thank you yeah <laughs> thanks for all of your I think we should probably close it out with a little chime action. I love it. Is that a, is that a closing device? Is that okay? It works, yes. may need to uh, change my podcast intro now. <laughs> Include some more. There's not enough chime. It's like that old cowbell skit. Needs more cowbell. That is so cool. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, everyone. I am excited to share the sound healing love with you and with everyone else. Come see me. I can't wait to come back. Um, it's so much fun. Thank it's you. Awesome. Bye.